Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight as usual is Sean and Liam. How are you Sean? Very well, uh, just getting on down here. And how are you Liam? Sweaty and a wee bit out of breath because I've just come from the gym, not because I've been masturbating. Hey, here's a good start. I was going to make a joke about, you know, not being not being a grass like Lee Wallace because if anyone hears any loud music or weird grunting in the backyard, it's my neighbours lifting weights in their backyard at the moment. It's not uh, a man with his balls stuck in a vice or anything like that. But Liam, you've just gone right past it with the masturbation comments. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so um, interesting week it's been since the last podcast. There's been a lot going on, so we'll get straight into it. So... We'll start off with the teaser from our last podcast. So it was name the three non-Scottish club captains of Celtic. What countries were they from and when were they club captains? So the first one was Sean Fallon from Ireland, 1952-53 season. The one I didn't know off the top of my head was Bertie Peacock from Northern Ireland, 1957 through to 1961. And then the current gaffer, Neil Francis Lennon, Northern Ireland, 2005 to 2007. Um, I've got a little joke for you guys. It's a really bad joke that my wife told me before the podcast, but it ties into our first news topic. Knock, knock. Who's that? Who's that? Olongoli. Olongoli who? Exactly. Yes, he's out the fucking door. Woohoo. It's happened. He's gone on loan to Istanbul. Uh, Sean, do you want to say that word? Istanbul. <laughs> uh, I can't actually. I don't know this one to be honest. For once, I actually back back shirt I, or something like that. I asked a Turkish mate who I used to work with, and his response I still couldn't understand it or pronounce it. So I would just say Basak Basakshia or something like that. I think that's as close as I'll get to it. So Basak FC, whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter either way. We'll we'll, we'll go the um the non traditional Istanbul team. Aye. There you go. The team that won the, uh, like, I thought it was decent. Okay, off he goes. Loan for the season, but they've got the option to buy him. Good. He's out the door. Good riddance. Piss off sort of thing. And then I realised, hang on, he'll be playing Champions League. He's been rewarded for this. Yep. So that's grinding my gears a little bit. What are you boys thinking on that news that he was finally out the door? I'd prefer that it was on a permanent, but uh, just to have him away and Hopefully, fully off the wage bill is is good. How about you, Liam? Well, you see, I'm in two minds because, on one hand, I want him to get humiliated and fall on his arse big time in the Champions League, but if that happens, they probably won't take him permanently. Um, so, no, I'm still angry about what he did and what he the damage he could have done. You know, he could easily have infected a hell of a lot of people with that virus, um, and. No, I I want him off of Celtic's payroll completely as soon as possible. Um, but on the other hand, I do not wish him well with his new club. I hope he crashes and burns. agree with you on that. But for me, the only positive with him going to a Champions League club is it's going to put him in the shop window so that if like the Istanbul club, which have got some good, good financial backing behind them, but if things die in the arse for them like as room has been rumoured in depending on who you speak to then if they run out of some cash well 
that could be good for us to have him in the shop window if he does well in the Champions League. So, oh, let us... yeah, I'll look at it and say, good riddance, piss off. And it was probably one of our most successful tweets from the Celtic Down Under Twitter page when we shared a post saying he was gone. Good riddance. <laughs> and there was like close on 200 likes and 130 comments. So happy days. Get out. Mm-hmm. You're not wanted at our club at all. Everyone agrees with that. Yeah. The flow on from that as well was also this week, a guy I've had big raps for for years, young left back Daniel Church has announced he's leaving the club after 13 years there. I would have loved for him to have been given an opportunity. I remember when he signed his first pro deal, you had clubs like Man United and AC Milan were looking at him. Um, there was like talk was, oh, he's the next Kieran Tierney. Well, if only he was give, had a chance in the team, but you can't win them all, I suppose. But, yeah, good good luck to, to Churchy. Go do well, mate. Yeah, I was thinking about it after last week's conversation about why we have so many failed youth players, and it occurred to me that when they're younger in the kind of 14, 15, 16 age range, you've literally got a full team plus substitutes worth of players for each year. So... Just from a pure numbers perspective, there's very few of them are going to make it to the team. Aye, before yeah, great. The ability into it, it's like a 50 to 1 shot. Yeah. Yeah. And and then on the back of that, you've got, as we've discussed, no reserve league. The youth games are a hit and miss. So you can understand why when you look at it from a pure numbers perspective. But yeah, I think it's going to be something that after the 10s complete, it'll. I think we'll see a bit of a swing more towards giving guys a bit of a, a chance. So gave them all the Ajax and the uh, Red Bull Salzburg sort of model, bring them through, give them a chance, sell them on. So, yeah, disappointing that we've lost another good quality young player, but at the same time, best of luck to the kid. Go do go do as well elsewhere because it looks good on our academy anyway. And if he gets a good move, we get a good chunk of that cash anyway. I was yeah. going to say, there's a development fee there, isn't there, if he does go for big money? Yep. Yeah. Because he's under the age of 23, will be entitled to any future transfer fee. Hmm. All right. First main topic we want to discuss, the St. Mirren goalkeeper situation. Now, what people ask, why are you talking about this on a Celtic podcast? Um, there's a couple of obvious reasons here. The fact that they had to get an emergency loan from Hearts to play their game last week because they had no goalkeepers um, opens you up to what could have happened or what will happen as a precedent if clubs self-report. They'll still be able to play their games. If issues aren't reported, like like the Celtic and the Aberdeen situation earlier in the season, your games get shut down for two weeks by the looks of it. So looks like there's some precedents to set there. On top of that, there's the bullshit in the media from people saying if that was Celtic or Rangers, those games wouldn't have gone ahead. I'd love to throw to you, Liam, and see what your take on this is. Right. Well, first of all, that whole thing about if it was Celtic or Rangers, no, just just no, complete nonsense. Different circumstances, different situation. What I will say, though, is that I do have some sympathy for St Mirren because it's ridiculous that they were put in the position they were put in because it is ultimately through no fault of their own. Um, 
I don't think Celtic or Aberdeen's games should have been postponed earlier on in the season because for all the, the breaches in protocol, ultimately both sets of players returned two sets of negative tests after that. So they were clear. They were lucky, but they were clear. Um, I think the whole thing was just a bit of grandstanding from the Scottish government, which really didn't really help the situation at all and only kind of drove this wedge between sporting and the the sporting body and the political body even more. Um, but as it is now, I think that St Mirren should have been allowed to postpone that game if they wanted to. Um, but um, I can understand why it wasn't, because it's kind of... The, the problem is, you're, because you're dealing with something we've never dealt with before, a completely unprecedented situation, there are no guidelines. But really, this is why we pay administrators to do all this stuff. The SFA should have worked it. When they were having like their, their action group to restart the football, or whatever they called it, I can't remember, they had some stupid name for it. That should have, part of that plan should have been, okay, let's look at every eventuality. What happens if one player gets COVID? What happens if half a team get COVID? What happens if a player breaches protocol? There should have been, before a ball was kicked this season, there should have been a list of, this is what happens in this situation. If you break this rule, this is what happens to your team. It should have been there in black and white. So there'd be no room for this. Ah, oh, well, you're only doing that because it's not the old firm. You know, bollocks. It shouldn't come to that. And it's all down to the SFA and the complete lack of forward planning. A couple of minor apologies, Liam. A couple of minor yeah. points of correction there. Yeah. Uh, Aberdeen did actually return two positive tests uh, when they Aberdeen 8 protocol. All right. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, the reason that the St. Mirren game did go ahead is because they have, uh, well, whether they explicitly have done it or not, the reason was because they're now following the UEFA guidelines. Uh, the same guidelines which resulted in the Czech Republic having to call up an entirely new team to face Scotland. So they were basically saying, well, if you can get thirteen players plus a goal, including a goalkeeper, then you have to uh, you have to play. And I think Samirim were like, well, we don't have a goalkeeper, uh, so the emergency loan exists for that reason. Right, a couple of counterpoints to that. Um, isn't it at the national association's discretion whether they follow the, the UEFA protocol or not? Couldn't answer, to be honest. Right, because I yes, think yes, it is. Yeah. It is, but. All I'll say is you mentioned about sports administrators earlier. There's no leadership in Hamden anyway, so I'd rather them follow UEFA's protocols, to be honest with you. Right. And I'm going to assume then that those protocols were not established at the time that the Aberdeen and Celtic things happened. But that one was, that one was uh, nothing to do with the football authorities. Uh, the SFA and SPFL didn't cancel those games. It was Nicola Sturgeon. That was, right. It was an executive order the from government. the government. Yeah. Right, okay. And that's, that's why people are saying, oh, how come this game was postponed but this one wasn't? And the, and the reason was because Nicholas Sturgeon intervened in the Celtic and Aberdeen ones to try and make a point. Uh, it was not to do with the football guidelines. Right. But it's still shit. You know, like if you're a Samaritan fan. The Aberdeen game should have been called off then. If they, if they return positive tests, then that's fine. But... No, no, I'm saying it shouldn't have. Aberdeen games should have been on. All the games should have been on. Yeah, all the games. Played. If yeah. you've got to play the kids, so be it. That's my take. That's my opinion on it. 
and and I think FIFA would probably agree with me because and UEFA because at the end of the day they're supposed to be a no po- leagues and that you get fined if politics get involved in football. Yet we got away with it there. That's true. The thing is, though, isn't isn't there like a directive that if if now again I don't agree with what the Scottish government did here, but if you can make the case that it's in the name of like public safety, they can step in and override something. But that's not the so the joint response group exists for that reason, and they'd said they were one of the ones that said, "Yep, all these games, you know, with the caveat of players isolating, these games can still go ahead." So uh, it was all just grandstanding from Sturgeon then. Well, basically, yeah. No, I wouldn't even say grandstanding so much as just trying to send a message, whether you call that grandstanding or not. Uh, I thought more of her than that. That's disappointing. I don't, to be honest. It actually wasn't It actually wasn't her. It was that Jason Leach bloke, the chief help medical officer, that made the call on it. It was actually him. I'd heard it, it was wasn't actually Sturgeon. It was his call. I'd heard it was her, and Jason Leach had said the games could go ahead. That's, that's, I, don't know. That's okay, just I heard the opposite, so... Yeah. Well, well I mean, this just speaks yeah. to the lack of communication generally, the fact that we're all kind of hearing different narratives here. All I have to say is football and politics, keep them apart. That's pretty much it at the end of the day. Yeah, and also, look, Samirin managed to get in an international goalkeeper, so I don't know what people are still making a fuss about this for. They got an international goalkeeper to play. What? What's the problem? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. Cry me a river. That's all I have to say. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, the fun thing for me is we'll talk about our fantasy football league later on. I have no backup keeper and it's a double game week because <laughs> he's got COVID. So yeah, <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> the funny yeah, thing was so- how you got it as well, wasn't it? It was, um, what was it? He's still a Hamilton player as well, and it's yeah. They the guys used to play together at Rangers last right, year, so they yeah. lived together there. Now one's at Hamilton, one's at St Mirren, and yeah, they both got it. And he's putting him up as well. It's not even like he's not doesn't officially live with him. He's just giving him digs until he finds a place. Hmm. Ah, the fun times. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway, next topic. Arsenal coming in with those ridiculous top uh, tactics that they did on Tierney last year with a bid for Eddie. So apparently there was a £15 million bid plus add-ons rejected, an £18 million bid rejected, a £20 million bid plus add-ons rejected. They're trying that, yet that sort of topic, because they don't want to spend the money, yet they're kind of... Everyone, you ask any Arsenal fan... Did they get a bargain with Kieran Tierney? They all say, yeah, they fleeced us. Yeah, they're coming in, crying poor, trying the same tactics to get Edward away from us for a pittance. Not impressed, to be honest with you. Uh, What's your take on it, Sean? I think we just take, uh, if we get a paper shredder, just put it below the fax machine, and then if we see it coming in with the fax with the Arsenal badge at the top, we just switch on the shredder and don't even read it. Perfect. What do you reckon, Liam? Well, you know, in these days, lads, with global warming, we have to be conscious of the environment. So I say we flip the facts over that Arsenal have sent us. And on the, on the blank backside, just write, fuck off and send it back to them. Thereby saving paper for the environment and putting Arsenal in their place. And we're not using, wasting a lot of ink either because, you know, it's only seven letters. Perfect. Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. It's good for the environment on all fronts. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about Edward as well, I'll tie this in as well because this is another thing that's rolled me up this week. Gary Breen's comments about that there's no EPL starting level strikers in the SPFL. Oh. Well, if that was true, why are Arsenal knocking on our door for Eddie? Yeah, look, no matter how many players keep going down and keep proving themselves, you're still going to get these absolute nut nut job, head case idiots that just have no clue about Scottish football and no clue about football standards in general and just come out, yep, Scotland's a pub league. Uh, just as the old, when I don't have anything intelligent to say, that's what I'm going to say, Scotland's a pub league and I don't know any better and it's going to keep happening uh, and we shouldn't really be giving Gary Breen uh, the airtime or the oxygen. I don't even know who he is until I read this, to, to be honest. But then on top of it, you go, okay, the back line that won the Champions League, not this season, just gone the one before at Liverpool, and then the EPL last year, Robertson, Van Dyke, both guys who played in Scotland. You've got Tierney, who's played in Scotland. You've got a whole bunch of other guys throughout the EPL that have played in Scotland. Armstrong's doing well. You got Fraser Forster down there before he got injured. There's lots of guys who have played in Scotland and have made that transition successfully into that level. Yep. Yet it's a it's a pub league, uh, and these guys can't play. Man City, the Champions League this year, I believe it was Leon led by Moussa Dembele. Exactly. Yeah. And then you, you get the opposite where these guys come up and do fuck all, like Freddie Lundberg and Carlton Cole, people like that. Joey Barton, anyone? Exactly. Player of the Year. Champ- English Championship Player of the Year. Gone within two months. Yep. So it's um, it's funny to see, but at the same time, it's the same old story and it's just, all right, who can we, who can we talk, like get in front of the media to say something stupid like that again for the headlines? And I'll look at it from, okay, I'm going to take off the green tinted specs for a second. And look at it, if I was at Rangers, okay, and you're trying and trying and trying and trying to stump, to pump up 34 different apparent linked clubs to Morelos to sell him for a, a fair, fair chunk of change because you're, you're skinned and you're going to go broke if you don't sell him. And suddenly you've got this guy coming into the media making these comments that there's no EPL starting level strikers. And the media in Scotland usually are all over anything that comes out of Ibrox. So print this story, say this, don't dig into this for us. Yet they're also happy to then go and print this article, which is basically saying a week ago you were saying that Morales should be sold for £20 million to West Brom, for instance. But then the following week you're saying, and sharing stories saying that there's no one capable of playing in the Premier League, which is what Morales will be doing if he went for 20 million to West Brom. It's it just boggles the mind trying to figure out like what is going on there. It's well, just that complete lack of imagination. Sorry, Liam. That sorry, no, you're right. Lack of imagination is part of it, but there's also there's a very clear agenda in play here. And remember, I used to work with some of these clowns, I know how they think. They um with the media, they are catering to the different impulses and the different different ideas of the different fan bases. 
Rangers fans, now not all of them, but a lot of them, have this supremacist streak in them. You know, that we are the people mentality, right? They don't like anything that criticises their club to the point of almost being borderline fascist about it. So they, they, the media know if they want to sell papers to Huns, it's got to be bigging up Rangers and bigging up Rangers players at every opportunity, which leads to ridiculous stories like Morelos to Barcelona, right? On the other hand, Celtic fans are naturally more critical of our club and our players when they don't perform. So the papers interpret that as let's create controversy. Let's let's manufacture scenarios that are going to get them riled up because they'll then want to buy that and read it so they can rant about it on, on social media and on podcasts. They are playing us like a fucking harp. That's the way it's always been with them. It's just clickbait, isn't it? Yep. Case in point, case in point there was a story that was on like the News Now website during the week that said Celtic linked to Rangers striker. And that was the headline. Mm. And it was about us being linked to some player down at Queen's Park Rangers, <laughs> not Glasgow Rangers, slash Sevco. <laughs> and, but the way they did the headline, you can tell that that was still a top-ranking story 12 hours later Aye. after it was put out there. So is what you're talking about ties in exactly to that in the clickbait element of it. I mean, it's nothing new. It goes back decades. I mean, I remember the days of teletext, right? You used to flick on like BBC C-Fax and it would say, you know, like, just say, for example, you know, uh, Shearer linked with Red's move. And you think, oh, Alan Shearer gone to Man United. No, you read it and it's some other, it's fucking Duncan Shearer gone to Barnsley. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they, they, they manufacture headlines that, that don't make any sense. The amount of times you would see Reds in for somebody, and you're thinking, right, Man United, Liverpool, but you actually read the story, it turns out it's Middlesbrough or something, you know, it's just complete nonsense. And that was 25 years ago they were doing that. The clickbait thing is nothing new, it didn't just come along with Facebook, you know. Yeah, understand that 100%. Talking about stories that have been getting a lot of clickbait this week, Celtic rumoured to be scouting Ben Davis from Preston North End. Apparently, they've turned down a £5 million bid for him and want £10 million, even though it was in the last year of his deal. And on top of that, there's also been Charlton Athletic rejecting two or three bids now from us for Alfie Doughty. What do you guys think on either of those links? We'll go to you, Sean. I think it's maybe the third time we've brought this up, but it's, again, Celtic going for players in the last year of the contract. It's the only ones we can afford. And even if we, the bids get rejected, hey, we've unsettled them and let them know that we'll pick them up in a free contract in January. Uh, it seems to be our new modus operandi. That's our new market. Uh, that, and it's the same for the Alfie Dotti one. He's he's in his last year of his contract as well. Honestly, I, I don't watch the English Championship, so I couldn't tell you how good these guys are. But uh, it sounds like it's the if they're good players at that level and they're young, then that is the kind of target that we're aiming for that we can bring in and move on at a profit and, and maybe contribute before they go. Apparently, Doughty was playing as a left wing back tonight or last night, actually, our time for a game in the Caribou Cup. So, yeah, he can play left back, left wing, and even right wing. Um, 
young player. Rumours are on Twitter, if you believe all the in-the-know agents, that an offer of a million pound will get him now. But who knows, he's only playing League One with Charlton Athletics, so I don't know how well that'll transition in and challenge against Greg Taylor at left-back. Ben Davis, I've seen him play a few times. Uh, Rate him, think he'd be a good signing. But not for £10 million. He's 25 years old, so he'd be a good replacement for Jozo. That's the way I look at it. It'd be a good one to get in the door. It'd be better than Jozo, fit. I'd be happy with that signing. What about you, Liam? Have you got any thoughts on those two at all or any other things that you read online? They are, they're both players that I think could do a job. Um, not necessarily players that would immediately challenge for the first team, though. There are ones that, you know, if you said to me, right, you could have them for like one or two million, I'd say, fine, take a chance on them, they're worth a punt. But 10 million for a, for, for a Preston player is just laughable, especially one in the last year of his contract. Um, I mean, what what did they pay us for Scott Sinclair? <laughs> 200,000 or something? You know? Ah, but we needed him off the wage bill, to be fair. No, but, yeah. but, you know, if they think they can pay us that amount, for a player in Scotland, and then expect us to pay ten million for one of their players. They're taking the piss. They want us to pay the EPL premium without realising that we're not in the EPL. No, and if if the guy's going to Scotland and you're accepting he's a player who's at Scottish Scottish level, and um, then why are you asking English prices for him? You know. So. Funny thing is, I look at it and go the transfer window shuts in about two and a half weeks from when that window shuts. It's less than, it's a little over three months or something until we can sign him on a pre-contract if he doesn't go anywhere. So they'll have to move quick if they want to keep him because if he's keen and we want him, want Davis, for instance, we could uh, sign him up in January quite easily and then pay him a knockdown fee to get him in the door then. I wonder if they're asking for $5 million for the, it's the same team that uh, Sevco are trying to get the player from. Uh, Daniel oh, that Johnson. midfielder, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they're asking for five million for him as well. <laughs> Maybe in monopoly money from Sevco. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, do you think it's five million because because we're after the player, and if if Sevco are after him, it's like, uh, yeah, he's probably only worth two. No, five million if they're lucky. I was gonna <laughs> say five five million Indonesian rupiah, so it's about, <laughs> about seven hundred dollars. <laughs> Lira. <Yeah. laughs> All right, next one we'll go to is something for us to laugh at. Morelos getting stretched off. <laughs> what a soft as butter knob. Honestly, he just yeah. ran through, pressed, ran through, copped a... When, this, when they went the still frame and they showed where the contact was and the boot and everything, you can position it any way to make it look like it was deliberate. You watched it at full speed. He just ran across in front of him. A year or two ago, he would have gone through with the elbow and copped the card. So I'm going to give credit where it's due. He didn't take the guy out of bare grub, but then he got hurt, so it was funny. As. <laughs> I can't believe he got a stretcher because he had a cut on his leg. Yep. Soft as butter. So yeah. I have to say, like, you see our guys, I just think the uproar on Twitter and everything, as much as I always say it's a cesspit, it was funny to see the Rangers fans carrying on about it, saying it should have been a straight red, blah, 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 that sort of shit. But then Morales can kick our guys in the balls, can squirrel grip, can stomp on Christie's back, 
and step on another player of ours and, you know, they get up, they get on with a job and for all of them, didn't even get didn't even get any bookings. I think he got one booking at a later date. Yet, you know, he gets a little stud mark to the leg and goes down like he's been shot by a sniper and, you know, stretch it off. Absolutely hilarious. Is a defender myself who has used that tactic of uh, following through with a kick on a player uh, after getting the ball, I can tell you that it is a, a yellow card generally. Um, but I've, yeah, all these people shouting about it being a red, I don't I don't think so. Like it's definitely, it should have been a yellow card, but not a red. Yeah, the, the thing is, I've I've actually had that exact same injury before, playing five aside. And what, a gash and a cut in the leg? Aye, sorry, so seven aside rather, on the AstroTurf. Um, oh, right, okay. Um, I've had that exact injury. And the thing is, see when you're, see when you're actually in the middle of a game, you, you don't even feel it until after the game. Because it's just a cut, that's all it is. You know, it looked a lot worse on the TV than it actually was. Um, and the fact that Morelos had to go off, that speaks volumes to his heart and his commitment to actually playing for Rangers. As in, he doesn't have it. And uh, good, because that is only going to further bring down his transfer fee when they inevitably are forced to sell him for three or four million quid in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I've had three pretty serious injuries playing football and uh, two of them required operations and the third one I was in crutches for weeks mm. and in each case I finished the game. Aye. So, <laughs> I don't, I'd like, yeah, well, yeah, and, and he's getting stretched off for a cut. I mean, come on. Do you know what I mean? I had a broken wrist for three years because, yeah, I just kept going. And, yeah. You hard bastard. But what does that tell you about Morelos? Do you know what I mean? Like... You know what it tells me about Morelos? He looked down, he saw his leg with a hole in it, and he fainted because he's a big girls' blouse. But that's disrespectful to girls' blouses, so I retract that previous statement. <laughs> what was, well, there was an Italian goalkeeper a few years ago broke his wrist after 15 minutes and played the full game. And a goalkeeper... I don't remember who it was. It doesn't surprise me. Like, goalkeepers are mental, so don't even bring It's like apples and oranges, mate. They compare them. Yeah, it was the Scottish one, Ali Maxwell. Did he not play like an hour of a game against Celtic when he was playing for Motherwell with like, a punctured lung or something? It was, it was mental. By the way, in terms of defending goalkeepers, I'm going to refer you to uh, Dida of AC Milan as the counterpoint. Ugh. If you remember yeah. the one where he, he got touched on the face by the Celtic fan. I don't know if it was even yeah. the face, it was the shoulder. He was rolling about as if he'd been shot in the head. Unfortunately, oh. he hadn't. Huge delay. Got stretched off. Aye. But you know, uh, the, the, the other thing about that, with the, with this whole Morelos thing, it's just getting... Like, Gerard must be so embarrassed at having to continually make excuses for the guy. Because Gerard's the sort of guy, you know, I think he's smart enough to know this, that Morelos is a waste of space. And yet he also knows like they need the money for him because they've already spent the money on bringing in two other strikers. So, you know, they can just cut him loose, although as much as I think Gerard would want to, you know. Yeah. I found it funny, though, with um, Gerard coming out after the game going, 
I'm not saying that was a red card, but if that was the other way around, what would the referee's call have been? And I'm like, that's you basically saying that he should have been sent off because if it was Morales' reputation. So... Try to create a victim narrative. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Good old Morales. I'm loving it. It's funny. This was a funny article I found about him as well. Just, Just, you know... Let me go with it for a moment here. The 34 clubs linked to him during the season. Literally. Over the last few years. AC Milan, Atletico Madrid, Aldul Hale, Villa, Bayer Leverkusen, Beijing Rennie, Besiktas, Bologna, Bordeaux, Dortmund, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Dynamo Kiev, Eintracht Frankfurt, Everton, Fenerbahce, Fiorentina, Galatasaray, Hebei Fortune, Inter Milan, Lazio, Leicester, Lille, Marseille, Newcastle United, Porto, Rennes, Sevilla, St. Etienne, Stuttgart, Tottenham, Valencia, West Brom, West Ham. Uh, I call bollocks to every single one of them, except maybe the West Brom and Lille one. That's about it. That Sounds like to get linked with... or just been sitting with his FIFA game open and just hitting random select again and again. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, it sounds like to get linked with him, all you have to do is uh, play some champ manager and see which team signs him after two years. Right. I think it's just spin the wheel and see which name comes up. Put every club its late name in there, spin and go, oh, okay, so today we're going all the B clubs in the world and spin it. And, okay, tomorrow we're doing all the P clubs and spin it. Oh, it's Portsmouth today. Cool. No worries. Ah, oh, unbelievable. Is Rangers a P club? I mean, they are pish. No, they're a dead right. club, mate. A Z club. All right, moving on to the Ross County game on the weekend. 5-0 win for Celtic. Started in a 3-5-2 formation. Throw to you, Sean. Do you want to give you a little rundown on your thoughts when you first saw the team sheet and just general observations Annette, of the first half? Yeah, uh, I was pretty excited when I seen 3-5-2. Um, more for the two than anything. Uh, El Yunusi dropped to the bench. Makes sense. He's been pretty poor in the league. Just I assumed, is rested after playing both games for Scotland. Forrest at left wing back was the only one that stood out as being kind of out of position. Uh, he played well in left wing in the game before, so I let it slide. But then the, the actual defenders that played in the back three, I was expecting Duffy to be in the centre, but he was on the the right of the back three, and he wasn't great, to be honest. None of the defence in the first half, the whole team was pretty poor. I thought the only difference the two teams in the first half were the goalkeepers and uh, if the goalkeepers had been swapped we'd have been 3-1 down at half time I thought uh, some good saves from Barkas and the Ross County goalkeeper had cabbages for hands so it wasn't uh, he was pretty poor to be honest and yeah I also thought Duffy had a really poor first half and was lucky to not get a red card uh, the one where it was a he let the ball bounce and then Took out the guy while cleaning up his mistake, and the guy got flagged for offside. I thought he was pretty lucky there. Yeah, that was a get out of jail free card moment. I thought 
the thing was, it was funny watching it because in the first half, I'm like, how wet is it under the field we're defending at? Because everyone just kept slipping over. There was a moment where both, the, I think it was Duffy or Julian or someone and Barkers both slipped over while trying to clear the ball or pass to each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was like an ice skating ring down that end of the field. And that, that then, was a class reaction, save though. Yeah. And then second half, when they were defending it, the same thing was happening to them. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to complain then. But, yeah, you've pretty much touched on all my thoughts there as well in the first half. It was poor. It was – I'm watching the game with my missus and she's like, oh, this isn't too bad. And I said, this isn't too bad. This is terrible. We're too one-paced in the midfield. We're too reactive, reactive and – this is disgusting. And she's like, oh, what? you're being real harsh on them. And I'm like, no, no, no. Wait till you see them when they're in full fight. We're so much better than this. Yep. And then, yeah, so we'll throw it to you, Liam, if you've got anything you want to add about the first half when you saw the team list and any thoughts before we jump into the second half. To be honest, yeah, flat performance. Agree, Duffy was lucky not to get sent off. Pretty poor first half. but. Um, positives, like you say, Barkas, a couple of great saves. He's coming on to a game now. His distribution is getting better as well. He's obviously getting more confident, more comfortable with the players in front of him. Because, as I, I think I mentioned this in the group the other day, goalkeepers need time to bed in as much as other players do, but goalkeepers generally don't get given the same amount of patience and a grace period as they should, you know? And I think Barkas is finally settling in now and looks good. Um... I think that a lot of the first-half performance could be put down to the players adapting to the new formation. Because then you've got a new central defender, you've got a striker who's still relatively new, you've got a rejigged midfield. You know, you're lucky if there's two or three players in that team who actually have played that, that kind of formation before consistently and know what they're doing. So I think we can allow them that we transitional period because from the second half obviously it clicked they knew what they were doing from then on yeah Lenny said after the game that he had a bit gave him a bit of a hair dryer treatment at half time and then made some adjustments and out we came so talking about the Barkas as you were saying like I thought he was great the whole game he was their best player for the whole match in my opinion he um the thing, as you said, you've got to give him a chance to bet in, but if he's played his whole career in Greece, to then come to another country with a centre-back who's French, centre-back who's Norwegian, a centre-back who's Irish, and then he's Greek, and they're all trying to figure out how to communicate with each other. Yeah, It was good in the second half to hear him saying, mine, mine, and calling for the ball, and actually coming out. So it was good to hear that communication and then picking it up. Mm. Um, the other thing, it was good seeing Duffy pointing things out to Ayer and saying, no, no, telling them where to go at corners and marshalling the defence. So it's, it's what we needed with him. Okay. Overall, so the one pass touching, got it moving, the ball moving around, and, yeah, just dominated life in the second half. Yeah. What do yeah. you think of that, Sean? Yeah, the guy's an absolute unit. And and as you said, in the first half, the defenders didn't know whether to drop or whether to press, whether they were coming or going. But they did sort it out in the second half, and well, to an extent, we still our Arcas was still making saves in the second half, but they were they did look a lot more solid uh, in the second half. I've got to single out two of his saves that I saw that I thought were unbelievable. In that they say football's a game of inches, 
where he's got the ball and he's got just got his fingertips to it and he's pushed it onto the post twice. Like to me, I'm like, if that was Bain in goal, those would have been in the net. Yeah. So now all I needed to do is get in the gym, you know, eat some steaks, lift some weights, bulk up a little bit, fix his haircut so he doesn't look like an accountant and happy days. Ah, you, you don't want goalkeepers to lose their agility, though. That's something. Don't yeah, might put too much weight on. I'm only stirring because he's like, compared to Fraser Forster, he looks lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what we'll do is we'll just quickly go through the goals. So there was the penalty to start off. Two minutes in, Edward gets taken down. I love the fact that 20 minutes into the game, they were still looking at the replays, that trying to, the commentators trying to pick it apart as if like it wasn't a penalty. Um. I think Edward's still walking up to the ball to take the penalty now with how slow he went. It was the slowest penalty I've ever seen taken. I'm like, what's he doing? And then all of a sudden the ball was like rolling in. I think the keeper was just like, did he just actually do that? He, he so, was waiting for the keeper to move before he kicked and it. And just go the other side, then roll yeah. it in the other side. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeti's goal. What was your view on that, Sean? Oh, it was a absolute well. The keeper definitely should have done better. Um, like I said before, cabbage hands. But um, it was a yeah, it was a really scrappy goal. But they all count, and it was he showed the good instinct that he's shown so far in the box, where he just knows how to just put it in the right direction when it comes into him. You know. Yeah, it was. Um, we mentioned that. Here's we've got a bit of Gary Cooper about him. Into, oh, Gary Hooper, sorry. I don't know what the fuck I said Cooper. Anyway, <laughs> Gary Hooper's about him where he gets in the right spot and he's a bit of a, uh, you know, in the penalty box, a bit of a poacher. So that was good to uh, see that he's still doing that. But, yeah, three goals in how much was it at that point? Three goals in 60-odd minutes of football when he scored that goal. Yep. You can't complain about that. So that was good to see. Then we had... The goal from Ayer. That was the next one, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Or was it? Yeah, Ayer. And then no, Duffy. Duffy was, Duffy was next. Duffy was, Duffy was next. Yep. All over uh, Julian's back. Julian's complaining, going, penalty. Like he got taken down, not realising it was his own teammate, just getting him for a shoulder ride on him <laughs> to put it in there. So um, great goal. What do you reckon about that, Liam? Yeah. Yeah, it was great to see. I really, I like the fact that Duffy just like, Powered through, nothing was stopping them, not even our own players. <laughs> um, exactly the kind of aggression that both Ayer and Julian have kind of lacked recently. Um, and yeah, I really, I was impressed with that. It was it's something that we've not had for a while, you know. Um, in fact, I, God, I, I think the last time we had a presence like that in our defence was probably when we used to play Chris Sutton at centre-half. <laughs> Daniel Mastorovic. Aye, good shout actually. Yep. Yeah. He would have been the last big crazy bruiser I think we've had in our back line, and that was in Lenny's first stint. Yeah. And then ever since he left, we've gone for more ball playing centre backs rather than I'll break your ankle if I have to centre backs. Yeah, yeah, Mastorovic is a good shout. I'd forgot about him. Yeah. Then we had a goal in the sixty fourth minute, Chris Iyer. Sean, yeah, I that one around him counted as it, uh, the corner, the corner routine. Uh, Ayer's not very good at getting on the 
end of corners usually, but when it's along the ground, I guess it's a bit better for him. Uh, it also kind of put a bit, a bit of a gloss on in Cham's match that he didn't really deserve, that he got an assist uh, when he'd spent the whole first half and he'd improved in the second before he went off, but he spent the whole first half basically just giving up possession. Uh, so that kind of gave a shine that he didn't quite deserve on his performance. But yeah, you, you can't miss chances like that really when it's on a plate. Not much more to say. And then the last goal of the game, Paddy Clamella. Liam, what's your take on that? Aye. Um, again, demonstrates the way in which Clamella gives us something a wee bit different in attack. You know, that kind of that pace, that bursting through. Um, it's something that, for all his attributes, Edward doesn't always offer. And Ajeti doesn't really seem to be that type of striker either. So it's it's very good to see. Can we discuss his uh, setter just before he scored? I was actually thinking that would have been the first thing out of Liam's mouth there. So go on. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, the one where he went, uh, Edwards did really well getting on the end of a through ball, uh, turned the defender, could have had a shot, but instead squares it to Clamala, who's around the goalkeeper, empty net, hit, can hit anywhere, six yards out, and hits the defender straight in front of him on the line. Should have taken that first time, but I suppose it's all part of his development learning because when he took the goal, actually scored the goal, he took it first time. So yeah, looks like it was a quick study on that. So yeah, I um, I, I like the way he plays. He reminds me of, it's going to sound weird, but he reminds me of a like young Robbie Keane when he was at Wolves back in the day in terms of just his work rate. He just, just looks like he's full of energy. It'd be great to see him. Hopefully, at some point in the next few next few weeks, where we've got a lot of games, play more than the 20, 30 minutes off the bench. But yeah, happy days. He's got the goal. He deserved it for his work rate. And um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he'll grow up to become the same nasty, mean spirited little prick that Robbie Keane did. But that's another story. Yeah, I I knew that was uh, that comment was coming when I said All that. Right. But anyway, don't get him started, Jared. Don't get him started. <laughs> All right, so just currently we haven't done this yet. So where we're currently sitting now with the with the standings and the ladder, currently Motherwell in last, Livingston in eleventh, Killy in tenth, Hamilton ninth, Dundee United in eighth, St Mirren in seventh, St Johnson in sixth, Ross County is in fifth, and then if we refer back to our fearless predictions for the season, I think we're all pretty much around the mark with the top four of. Aberdeen in fourth, us in third, but both us and Aberdeen have two games in hand. And then you've got Hibbs in second and Deadco, you know, then that mob on top. So apparently, you pointed it out, I think it was you, Sean, if we win tonight against St Mirren and then again on Saturday, we'll temporarily be on top because we play two games before Rangers play, if we win them both. Is that sounds right, doesn't it? That's correct. Handy. So We'll stay top if Hibs win. Hibs beat Rangers. Yeah, that'd be even better. Come on, you hibbies then. Yeah. But yeah, just, right. uh, I can, I can chuck, chuck uh, related to the Ross County game, can I just tack on uh, another prediction for the season? Uh, yeah. That at some point this year, a Yeti will put four Past a team in one game. 
I don't see anything fearless about that. I'm going to call. I'm even going to call who it will be. Go for it. He's going to do that away to Livingston on their own ugly, feral plastic pitch. Oh. Well, that would be good to see. Because he's a poacher in the box, and you see it'll either be Livingston or it will be Killy on a plastic pitch. Hamilton's a plastic pitch as well, so it'll happen on one of those three. Reason being, get a poacher in a box when the ball's just bouncing around like uneven and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there I think go. there'll be a game where we just click and you'll just smash in a ton of goals. So, you know, it's going to happen at some point, I think. It's that kind of player. Nice. I think that could see that happening. So we've got St. Mirren tonight, UK time. What is it? Like 2.45 a.m. in Perth where you yep. are, Sean. Yep. 3.45 a.m. where you are in Japan, Liam, and 4.45 a.m. my time here in Melbourne. So going to be an interesting game. Um St. Mirren have got one of their keepers back, plus the guy is on loan. So, yeah, I think that could be leg-weary. What do you guys want to see out of the game, Liam? Do you want to see – personally, I'd, li- I'd like to see the same formation. Um, Definitely stay in the 3-5-2. And, mm. yeah, and it, what, are, what are you hoping for the game? I Yeah, I'd like to see us keep the 3-5-2. I would like to um... – I'd like to see the defence reshuffled a wee bit. I would, personally, I'd drop Ayer to the bench and I would bring in El Hamed because he's not he's a much more effective right-sided centre-back, I think. Um, and it's a guy Ayer's, who... Ayer was on the Ayer left. played left, too. Yeah. I played left. Julian played right. I know, but we don't really have another left left centre-back we can put in there. Oh, so, Chuck Welshie in. <laughs> um... No, I, I just think that my my preferred back three, however you want to juggle them, would be would be Duffy, Julian, and and El Hamid. So, um, if you get your way, and by the time October six comes around, you could get that. Yeah, yeah. Although if Ayer goes, rumours are we'll spend that money on the big boys from Sampdoria. So, no, Mark Collie. Yeah. And then watches. You know who he reminds me of. Just the look about him. He's got a bit of the bobos about him. It looks like he just give you that look and break your leg. Yeah. But but he can play a bit too, so it's good. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. What, are you, what are you looking forward to the game, Sean? Yeah, I'm hoping that... Uh, I'll tell you, give you a bit of a lengthier explanation, but I'm hoping that this uh, game is full of sorrow. Mm, uh, yes, bring him in. Yeah, I want sorrow in for Brown. I, after Brown was, for me second, probably second choice for man of the match after Barkas at the weekend. And I'm watching it and thinking that's the best game he's played this year. And I'm asking myself, why is that? And it's he's had a break with internationals on. He's had a, a rest. So I feel we should now be uh, getting to Brown playing every second game if that's the kind of output we're going to get when he has a rest. And after what we've seen of Sorrow in pre-season and in the 20 minutes at the weekend, uh, he should be in. You should be getting that game. The comparisons to Kante with him are so spot on. Like he looks tiny when you get him out there. And you see Turnbull run past him. It's like it's a whole head taller. But he's just hard in the tackle and he just runs and runs and runs. And you're just like, that's a good signing. More of that I want to see. But yeah, as you were saying, 
uh, Bruni should be rotated out. For me, I'd be like, I just want to get us used to seeing Bruni only playing the 60 minutes a game. I don't give him half hour into into someone else most weeks, whether that's sorrow, whether that's putting in Cham back or whatever it is. But I would have said Robertson, but he's on loan now at Gillingham. So for me, it's like I want to get used to seeing Bruni starting games when they're needed. But then if he needs to come off for a breather, we know sorrow can play that role. That's two million pounds well spent. What do you reckon, Liam? Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. He's he's the player that Kurasi was supposed to be. Yep, exactly. I'm looking at it going for the game tomorrow. I'd love to see us go with the Yeti and Edward up front. Um I'd like to see Taylor get a run, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, instead of Jamesy out on the left. And yeah, other than that, I keep the squad pretty much how it was to start the game. Except I probably put in Cham back on the bench because I yeah. didn't really rate him much at all on the weekend. And whether we play Turnbull in that position from the start, or we put or we put Christie back yeah. in, one of those, I'd be happy with that. Going to be Christie definitely. And with that, there, my score prediction is a four nil to Celtic. What do you reckon, Sean and Liam? What's your predictions? I reckon it'll be tight one. I think. Is it at their place or is it at ours? It's at their place, yeah. Oh, okay, then I change mine down to three <laughs> nil. Uh, I think I think two 0 but I think it'll be quite late before. I think we'll probably score about seventy five minutes and then maybe get a penalty in the last five minutes to make it a bit more comfortable than it than it was. For don't we have don't we have Dallas reference again? Do we? So, if that's the case, I don't see us getting a late penalty. Well, he gave us one at the weekend. Yeah, two minutes in. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know who the ref is. Nah, doesn't matter. I know we either got him as either fourth official tonight or actual ref in us, so we've got him again in the next one of the next two games. And then the other one is the fourth official for... And Liam, what's your score prediction? I'm going to say... I'm going to go with 4 now. I think we'll score a few tonight. Yep, four nice. and I think again I'm going to make another prediction. We're going to have four different goal scorers. Hmm. Well, it was five definitely at the weekend, wasn't there? Yeah, more of the same. Aye. Yeah. Both, and then we got the team right now. And then on Saturday, there's three pm kickoff in at. Celtic Park, anyone who says Park is, you're a knob. It's Parkhead or Celtic Park. But yeah, so that's midnight kickoff, my time, 10 p.m. for you, Sean, 11 p.m. for you, Liam. So yeah, it'll be good on a, what's that, Saturday slash Sunday. So 352 again for me. Uh, keep rotating only to give guys a bit of a rest. So the game against Livy, if we're gonna say if we play Sorrow tomorrow, give Bruni a rest, and I think we could give Kelmack a bit of a breather, whether that's thirty minutes off in that game. I just want to do, I just want to do a number on on Livy. So um, yeah, be interesting to see how that game goes. What's well, yeah, your take? 
we don't we don't need uh we don't need to stack up the goal difference to go top, but it would be good to add that, you know, so that if Sevco do win on on Sunday that, you know, because if if you're ahead in goal difference, it's worth an extra point. So we do want to stack up. And look, if we win both these games 1-0, we still go top on goal difference anyway. Uh, but yeah, in the long run, it's worth an extra point. So, so what do you boys reckon? Score predictions on that one too? Yeah, I'm more comfortable with that one. I, I, I'm going to say, uh, I want to say it. I'm going to go 6 Say it. 6 now. Six now. I think we'll hit a nice hit our stride quite nicely. We'll have a Yeti and Edward up front, and we'll probably play three five two, but with wingers instead of wing backs. So it'll be all out offense, and I can see us uh, putting quite a few past them if we score early. Double the friend pong for me four nil. I think it could be uh I think it could be a, a, a magnificent seven. I'm gonna go seven now. Hmm. Well we all look like a bunch of knobs if it's only a, a boring Drossfield one nil. Yeah, if we draw both the games. <laughs> I don't really care as long as we win at the end of the day. But yeah, yeah the better the performance is for us. That's what we'd like. I, I double I just double checked uh, who the referee is for tonight and it is uh the number one Mason. John Beaton. Ah, so fourth official tonight is Dallas, which means no, the Livingston. Craig, Craig Napier. Oh, okay, they changed it. Handy. Yeah. yeah. All, the, all the Lanarkshire Lodges meet on a Wednesday night. I thought you boys knew that. Oh, I don't have We're my match. John Beaton Beaton Beaton, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, isn't Beaton just the season ticket holder at Rangers? He's oh, yeah, actually he's, a... yeah, he was the one that went out to celebrate uh, in the. Was it. I don't know which, and was it Bell? No, I don't remember. He was in some yeah, Rangers supporters club. Bell's Hill, yeah. yeah. After he let Morelos away with three red card offences, he went out drinking in a Rangers supporters club. Celebrate the win. Good fun. All right, so we'll leave that there. We've got, we'll have next Wednesday's podcast. We'll discuss those games, give our reviews on them, and then also preview the game against Hibs the following weekend and also the Europa League qualifier on the 24th, our time. So, um, yeah, we'll discuss them then. Um, what we'll do now is we'll jump over to you, Liam, for uh, the, this week's Would You Rather game. Yeah, okay. So this week we're doing um, Celtic backup goalkeepers. So these are keepers that have all... You know, played for Celtic, maybe had even had a spell as a first choice keeper, but were never really long term fixtures in the first team. So, uh, first one, Scott Bain. Would you rather Scott Bain or Magnus Hedman? Magnus Hedman. Oh, I still remember that goal against Bayern Munich. So I'm going to actually say Scott Bain. Okay. And what about you, Liam? Got to give your answer. Eh, well, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Magnus Hedman simply because I think he had a better pedigree before coming to Celtic, and we never saw him play his full potential with us. I'd agree with you on that. Yeah. Who's next? Next up. Uh, okay. Would you rather 
Um, Scott Bain or Lucas Zaluska? Zaluska. Mm. Bain. Jared? Uh, I answered already. Zaluska. Oh, sorry. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll go with Bain on that one. Um, Tough one. Was a decent keeper, but I, yeah, just never completely filled me with confidence. All right, next one. Uh, would you rather Scott Bain or, let's go back a bit, Gordon Marshall? Oh. I'll let you take this one, Sean. Uh, um, probably Marshall, to be honest. Yeah, I was thinking Marshall as well. I'm going to be a wee bit biased and say Gordon Marshall simply because I actually have hanging up on my shelf uh, the last jersey he ever wore in his professional career. The Motherwell jersey. You yeah. might want it back. <laughs> what locker room do you steal that from? Yeah. No, it was my my dad used to do some sponsorship with Motherwell, and uh, yeah, Marshall gave it to us as a present after his last game. So. Mm. Uh, anyway, back on topic. So, would you rather uh, Scott Bain or Javier Sanchez Broto? Broto. Definitely, yeah, Broto. Aye, I'd go with Broto. I think he was a better keeper than he ever got credit for, to be honest. I don't remember him. I don't remember too much about him, to be honest with you, other than I don't really remember him making too many mistakes. So, just for that reason alone, compared to the Cluj game last year with Bain, that's got my vote for him. Aye. Okay. Would you rather Scott Bain or here's one for the for you. Tony Warner. <laughs> Played in the five one game. Uh I'm going Bain. Yeah, Bain, yeah. That that was an old trivia question was which was which uh I can't remember now. It was it was something like it's basically Warner and Anthony Emmy who played against each other in that five one game were then yeah. teammates together at Fulham like five years later. Aye. Aye, because because after that, Niemi went to Hearts and Warner went on to Aberdeen, if I remember right. I don't know. They both ended up in England in Fulham after that. Aye, because was it no Liverpool we signed Warner from? No, he came on. He was an emergency loan or something. He was a, he was a loan Aye, well, from... they had him for three games, but I think he was at Liverpool's third-choice third keeper at the time, if I remember right. Anywho. Um, right, next one. Would you rather Scott Bain or... The man, the legend, Dimitri Karin. Uh, Bain for me. Bain. No, I'm going with Karin. You can't go wrong with an Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> <laughs> can't argue with that. No, no worries, you socialist up there. Right. <laughs> Always going to support my comrade. There we go. Football and politics again. <laughs> I think that's tonight. I think that's the episode and the theme for tonight. <laughs> Right, um, okay, so I've got a couple more. So next one, um, would you rather, oh, hang on a second, let me just get my notes here. Would you rather Scott Bain or David Marshall? David Marshall. David Marshall. 
Yeah, yeah. he's it. Aye, David Marshall. I was debating about whether to include him because I, I think, how long was he our first choice keeper for? About six months? Uh, I think yeah, it, was a... it was about half a season. Yeah. Right. Okay, last one. Um, flashback here to uh, long ago. Would you rather Scott Bain or Alan McKnight? I can't say I remember him well enough to really judge yeah. that. I'm going to pass. I have to pass as well. Well, the only game I remember watching him playing was the Centenary Cup final, and he had a decent game, So, um, but I'd still go with Bain. Fair enough, that's what we like. Yep. Any keepers I've missed that you guys want to add? I've got one who was never didn't play for us at senior level, but he was a played his youth career with us. I'd just like to throw this one out because I'm a massive fan. I wish that we somehow managed to get him to sign back for us. Mm. Would you rather Bain or Shea Given? Oh. <laughs> uh, well, he never played for us, so it's, you know. Yeah, as a Celtic youth player, though, for I three know, years. I mean, so if you're judging him what he did for Celtic, you know. Yeah, no, I'm just throwing that in there. Uh, obviously, Given is a better keeper. It's a given. Oh, wonderful. One that I, I'll, I'll chuck in one that was actually, it was an understudy to Gordon Marshall, uh, Stuart Kerr. Oh, right, I forgot about him. Um, I'd say Stuart Kerr. I think it's Bain for me, but I did actually, I was a big fan of Kerr because that, that was just, he was playing around the time when I started going to games. All right, that was a good one, Liam. Thanks for coming up with those for us. That was, I wonder what we'll do next week. We'll figure it out during the week and come up with something. So we'll give a little uh, update for anyone who is interested or is playing. So our fantasy football league that we have, uh, currently, we have Tom Cooper's team, TCO Boys, on top. Tico's Boys. Uh, Tim is, Timothy Smith is in second. Danny McKenzie in third. In fourth spot, Sean, the bragging rights in your house go to your wife. <sighs> Anthony no. is currently in sixth spot. I'm in seventh. Sean is in eighth. Willie Innes is in ninth, and then we scroll on through the list a bit here, and we've got Liam is in 12th. My sibling uh, is in 14th. Brotherwell FC, nice yeah, name. Brother, yeah. And we just keep scrolling through. Alan from So Like You Never Walk Alone is in 21st. There's John, 23rd. John's in 23rd. I think he's doing the worst of all of us boys. And then you scroll on through to the bottom of the ladder at the moment, which is a team called That'll Do. That pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Dead last. So um, yeah, it's good to good to see that. Anyone who's playing, taking part in that, keep it up. We'll keep updating randomly throughout the season on how everyone's going. Also, um, we've got our website, CelticDownUnder.com. On there we have copies of all our podcasts and we also got some merch up on there if people want to look at it. So we're selling pins, which are all over our social media channels as well. Uh, so look down under one. So I'd just like to say thanks to Alex Irwin, Leslie Malarkey and Lachlan McIntyre for buying the first batch of pins. We support. We appreciate your support. So um, your pins are in the mail. 
they got sent today, so you'll get them soon. So uh, anyone interested, you can go on there, send us an email or contact us through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, if you're based in Australia, we can send you a pin straight away. If it's international COVID restrictions, we can't send international things other than documents at the moment. So, yeah, it's good to see so down under growing and getting some support out there. So thanks to everyone who listens to our podcast, our comments, takes the time out to support, and then the people who are buying our pins. Thanks again. All right. So what we'll do is we'll wrap up the podcast now. So any last things you want to add, Sean? Yeah, just um, buzzing for a chance to go top of the league. And how about you, Liam? Yeah, just um, to be serious for a wee minute, lads. And, uh, you know, we like to have a rivalry with the, with the Huns and we like to mock them and whatever. But some very good news this week. I heard that Brian Loudrup has finally won his 10-year battle with cancer. So congrats to him and I wish him all the best for the future. Whatever team you support, you can't deny he was one of the best players ever to play in Scotland. So good luck to him for the future. Yep, agree with you 100% on that. Congratulations, that's some great news. So, uh, yeah, keep fighting, Brian. And, um, yeah, done well, mate. So, yeah, what we'll do is we'll call that the end of the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. Um, If anyone wants to, you know, leave us a review or get in touch with any topics they want us to discuss, we're open book. So reach out to us through the social media channels that we previously mentioned. And, yeah. Well, uh, fingers crossed we get a nice big win tonight against St Mirren. How, how, guys? How, how?